0: Welcome to the Cannabis Cultivation and Science Podcast. I'm your host, Tad Hussey of KISS Organics. This is the podcast where we discuss the cutting edge of organic growing from a science-based perspective and draw on top experts from around the industry to share their wisdom and knowledge. If you're enjoying these podcasts, please take a moment to subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform you're listening on and leave me a rating and review. This is really helpful and allows me to keep producing good content for free by drawing on more of the top names in the industry to the show. In addition, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter on our homepage at KISOrganics.com to find out when the latest blog posts and podcasts are available. This week's podcast is a follow-up podcast on blue mats. If you hadn't had a chance yet, please go back and listen to the previous podcast with Steve Troy to get a bit of background. Blue mats use no electricity and are an affordable way to improve the way you water your plants. In this podcast, I go into depth with Damien one of the employees over at Blue Mats on exactly how to set them up properly as well as tackle the common user questions and feedback I got after the first Blue Mat podcast. After listening to the show, send us an email at TAD at KISorganics.com if you're interested and we will help you set, get a setup for yourself. Or you can view Damien's contact information directly on our website. Don't forget to mention that you heard about them on our podcast. And now on to the show. All right. Thanks, Damien. I appreciate you taking the time today to chat a little bit more about blue mats and do a follow-up uh, follow up podcast.
1: Yeah, no, sounds great to me.
0: So I wanted to just dive right in here uh, since we covered a lot in the last podcast and talk about dialing in the blue mats since we've already covered kind of what they are and what they do. Uh, can you give me a little overview here starting with uh, we, we talked a little about soaking the blue mats to get all the air out of the carrot can we just go from there and move forward with how you prep them
1: definitely definitely um so yeah it's kind of changed a little bit over the years in terms of um kind of priming and prepping those blue mats originally austria kind of wanted us to do it for i think 12 hours underwater uh, but in, in the last few years just running more tests and everything we just realized that you want to just soak that ceramic cone until it's basically just porous enough where water is both in and outside of it. Um, and so now it's just 15 minutes without the cap on, and the cap is that little um, green top that goes that you screw on the blue mat. And so you wanna do just 15 minutes underwater without the cap, and then while it's in your bucket or bowl of water, whatever it might be, then you just screw that back on um, just so that for another 15 minutes. And it's really just because the way that a blue mat is working, is it's constantly reading kind of the pressure in within the blue mat. And so as long as you get that, that ceramic cone to just be porous enough with water, then um, you're pretty good. So that's why 15 minutes without the cap, 15 minutes with. And you want to make sure that, yeah, you don't get as few air bubbles within the blue mat um, out. And that can be – we I, I know the really like kind of master way to do it is using a little pipette to kind of squeeze water within it. Um, me personally, I just use my thumb to kind of push water within. Um, I know people use an eyedropper too. It's, it really com- kind of comes down to it. And it's not a hundred percent necessary, even if there's a few bubbles, it's not going to kind of ruin the function of the blue mat. It's just, we believe without, with zero bubbles in there, you kind of get the best accuracy of the blue mat, meaning the blue mat's going to react and respond better to kind of those outside factors. It'll make, it'll know when the pressure outside of it, meaning if the, if the the soil around the blue mat gets a little drier, then it'll be able to read that quicker and start dripping water and get it back to that kind of prime watering zone. Um, one thing that's always really important that I always tell people is you want to r- make sure that you're not putting in the blue mat when the soil is either too wet or too dry because that's pr- you're basically setting the blue mat, that whole default setting of uh, turning it to little triangles, it's um, all there in the instructions. Um, all of that is when the moisture level is at its kind of prime point, at its best moisture level. Um, So if you set it when it's too dry, the blue mat's going to kind of keep it at that dry level. So what I like to tell people is just either overnight or a few hours before, hand water it how you'd normally do so that there's enough water throughout the entire container, not just on the top um, versus the bottom. And that's a really important factor is making sure you're, priming that blue mat into that ideal moisture level because that's what the blue mat's gonna kinda do. It's gonna keep it at that level.
0: Yeah, with our soils I found we like I like people to water the soil really slowly because there is peat moss in there and it can get hydrophobic. Definitely, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of watering a little bit of water at a time. So it's over a period of a few hours to get that moisture content to the optimal levels, which in our soils again we aim for a hundred m bar, but it's gonna vary depending on the soil that you're using. And once you have your soil at that level, which those moisture meters, the the digital moisture meters are excellent for telling you when you're at that, then you can start looking to actually set up and dial in your blue mats. Uh,
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: One other thing I wanted Um, to point out, and maybe you can correct me on this, is uh, when I was talking to Steve originally, he was saying that you want to attach the blue mat to like screw it back together underwater and kind of knock the two pieces to get any bubbles out. You would mentioned using a uh, a pipette. How would you use the pipette? I wasn't familiar with that in the process. Yeah,
1: so the pipette exactly is just essentially underneath the – in the blue mat. So under, when you have it underwater, and I mean even if you have it above water, if you unscrew it and look at the little cap, there's these three small-looking little ovals almost um, on the other side of the cap. And what tends to happen is water will sometimes – Um, not get into those parts, meaning there's basically an air bubble underneath these three little holes that I found on the cap of the blue mat. And so the thing you do with the pipette is essentially just squeeze water into those three parts, uh, basically pushing any air bubbles away and out of the blue mat. Um, The other way you kind of described is um, the alternative where you kind of shake any bubbles out, or what I mentioned is basically pushing water with your thumb inside the doing the same function as the pipette. The pipette just kind of really lets you um, know for sure that you pushed water into there and that there's not going to be any air bubbles. So it's not 100% necessary, but for kind of $0.10, it might not be a bad idea, or if you just have some pipettes laying around.
0: Now, I've been going down to the store and getting distilled water for soaking my blue mats uh, to make sure that there's no other you know, particles or anything else that could be in my water. Is that overkill or even necessary?
1: I would say it's not. I mean, you could say it is overkill. I know people that do it similar to what you're doing. Uh, The alternative is honestly just boiling water because that's going to do the same thing. Uh, The great thing with distilled water is you know there isn't anything. There's no sediments in there. You know that any of the kind of oxygen has already... Um, then there's, no, there's not going to be any oxygen bubbles within the st- distilled water. Because sometimes if you just pour water directly from your sink or anything, then there is going to be a lot of uh, air bubbles in that water. So it, I would say, yeah, it might be a little overkill because you're paying for more, for just clean water. Um, but if you have distilled water around or anything like that, then you certainly can use that for, as an alternative to just boiling water.
0: Okay, so now we've taken the two pieces of the blue mat, we've connected them underwater, we've made sure there's no air bubbles. What's the next step in the process for setting them up?
1: All right, so the next step is once we have your blue mat primed with water and it's already porous throughout the whole thing, next thing would be getting your soil right. So kind of what you were mentioning before, slow watering soil, um, just to allow that water to within the soil to really kind of dissipate and move around to all the places it needs to be. Um, I know your soil is pretty amazing to use with blue mats, um, but r- blue mats can work with kind of different types of soils. Um, it just it may have to kind of be adjusted differently, or you might have to kind of account for if a soil is really good at spreading that moisture versus retaining it, then you might want to kind of um, just prime the blue mat a little different. And when I mean prime, I mean there's a step, the next step would be putting it into the soil and then turning. Uh, you essentially open up the blue mat, so water flowing. You connect it to your water source, so that water is actually going through the blue mat. And so on the top of the blue mat, there's these, what I call a little brown cap. And that little cap actually, if you look into it, it has these little, not into it, on the outside, there's these little triangles. Um, and that's what you're kind of using it to control your blue mat. So the basic instructions, setup instructions in the manual, um, is essentially you open up the carrot so that water's flowing out and then you slowly close it until what we call there's a hanging drop and that essentially means that water is just on the edge of that uh small three millimeter uh, drip tubing so water's found out that on that very edge there and it's not falling and it's not going back in it's just kind of standing there and then you close the blue mat another two triangles um which is about a quarter of uh Of the full radius of the the brown cap, and that two carrot or the two triangles, that's essentially allowing it. So um, the blue mat is going to stay closed until the soil dries up enough, Um, and then it's going to open up the the blue mat, and it's going to allow water to kind of feed into the soil. And that's where you kind of have some leeway. Is those Changing those uh, different triangles, either opening it or closing it more. So, generally, for a no tilts kind of grow where you want more more moisture, you don't have to close it the full tr- two triangles. You can do one triangle or even one and a half. And it just means that the bloom mat's going to be a little more responsive in terms of it's going to start watering sooner. So, the more you close it, the less it's going to water frequently uh, and the more. Open, you leave those triangles, the more water is going to be entered. So, the default way of setting it is after, so you take, let's say your blue mats are still in your bucket of water, um, and then your soil is at the ideal moisture level you want it to kind of retain or stay in. And so, you take that blue mat, you put it into the soil, you connect it into the 8 millimeter tubing, um, and then you open up the blue mat to make sure water is flowing out. And then you close it with the little brown cap until there's what we call the hanging drip. So water is just found at the tip of the tubing, the 3-millimeter tubing. And then you close it another two triangles, which is about a quarter rotation of the brown cap. And you leave it there. That's it. And if you want, you can connect distribution drippers to it, or you can just allow it to come off that 3-millimeter tubing directly.
0: Yeah, so I found... What works best for us, and I think that's an important point you brought up, I was attaching the distribution drippers or the blue soak tape prior to dialing in my blue mat, which is a mistake. You want to just keep that three millimeter line uh, empty and not attach anything until you do that hanging drop step. And then correct. I found going back one carat, it works pretty well with our soils. Like you mentioned, living soils, you want them to be a little bit wetter. Uh, do you have a optimal or general level for people say using cocoa or out in a traditional garden or an outdoor setup that you might offer them as a guideline you know similar to the 100 m bar that i really like with our soils
1: yeah so i found especially using our digital moisture meters are really gonna kind of allow you to get that perfect point point. and i know we've talked about this before Ted. We we're kind of discussing the different types of moisture meters and if you're a really expert grower and you've been growing for years and you really know kind of the type of uh, moisture level you want in your soil, I know people who can easily just grab a handful of their soil and then determine, "I, hey, that's the perfect level. Um, someone like me or others who just want to have an actual digital reading of it to really make sure, then our digital moisture meters work really well for that. Because I've looked, um, and this is what we talked about prior, is we looked on moisture, other moisture meters found on, on like Amazon or just on Google, and we bought them and tried them out ourselves. And they work fine for just being able to determine if it's too wet or too dry. But what you're kind of asking is finding that optimal moisture level. So with our digital moisture meters, um, usually the range that I'm telling people is between 120 and 150. So around 130 works really well, especially with um, with a cocoa blend or even just regular um, just peat moss types of grow. Um, the main thing when you're setting your bloom mat up is you want to make sure you're kind of putting it at a zone where it's not going to give you an incorrect reading. So by saying this, I mean don't put it next to these huge perlite chunks or in, a, in the very corner of your pot where it's going to, Obviously, sense the moisture of the actual fabric pot or the clay pot, whatever it might be. You want to put it in a zone where there's plenty of soil to surround it. And kind of what I was saying, not where there's a really high ratio of perlite or just other stuff that might affect it. And cocoa, since cocoa, I know a lot of growers are using a mix of cocoa or even just pure cocoa. um, It retains moisture really well. So you could almost go a little higher, up to 150 or even... 180 if you if your flowers are or if your yeah, your plants are flowering where it's using even less water so I would say the 150 range is great if you tend to like your plants uh, having more water or if the soil requires more water like a living soil no, no-till grow then that 100 works really well so I would agree with you on that point that the 100 works great for your your style of grow
0: so a couple things I want to highlight that from what you mentioned uh so initially we're going from a water source just backing up a little bit here and that if we're using a a main line or or plumbed line we will need to add in uh, a pressure reducer right at the beginning there when then you can run splitters off of that to set up the rest of your uh, your line but that eight millimeter line which is what would come off of the pressure reducer Or if you're using a reservoir with a, with a bulkhead uh, connector, you can do it that way too. Then you go from there down to your carrot and then you can sort of create your garden setup based off of, based off of that. Uh, One other thing I wanted to mention when we were setting up, I noticed that sometimes I would do all of those steps, turn on the water and then nothing would come out of the blue mat, even though I've opened up that top dial. And something Jaya yeah. told me I didn't realize was there can be a little kink in there. So you have to take it and just slide the three millimeter line out a little bit and you'll see it's just kind of stuck together and you can just pinch it lightly with your fingers and it'll come undone and then uh, water will start flowing and then you can dial it.
1: Correct. Yeah. And we have people that will call us with exactly that. They're saying, hey, I connected it to my water source. I opened up the carrot fully, meaning with a little brown cap, you basically turn it. Um, counterclockwise, so you open it it up fully. Um, And at that point, water definitely should be coming out. So my basic steps, um, which it's kind of funny, sometimes people don't realize that, like, the shutoff valve near their reservoir, they had it closed. So one thing is make sure that that's open, so water is flowing throughout. Um, The other thing is people don't realize in a gravity system that it actually has the water reservoir, the water container, has to be above the plants. So I've had it happen where someone had it at the same level, they opened it up and no water was coming out. And I was like, raise the reservoir another foot. And once they did, water started flowing. And then kind of what you talked about, which just rarely happens with the eight millimeter, but I know with our Superflex tubing, which is uh, just a highly flexible tubing compared to the eight millimeter black, that can sometimes kink in terms of if it gets stuck together, it basically, it's just, it's kind of like something stepping on it. And, yeah, you just want to kind of pinch it the opposite way so it opens up. Same with the three millimeter. I've seen that happen more more often. Um, Still pretty rare, but sometimes that can get stuck to each other. um, And kind of what you said, you just need to pop it open. Um, And then as long as you see, as long as you open up your carrots and see water is going out, is flowing out, um, and at a consistent rate because sometimes you get air bubbles in your line, Um, So you want to kind of purge those out. So once you see just a regular flow of water coming out, then you're good to go and you're ready to proceed with setting it up and everything.
0: Okay, so we just attached our carrot. We just checked. We have water flowing out. We've dialed in that blue mat now so that we have that hanging drop. Now we have the opportunity to attach uh, up to five distribution drippers or the uh, blue soak hose, and there's an adapter for that blue soak. And when we we say blue soak, what we're talking about is essentially a – uh, a soaker hose sort of uh, material it's, yeah, it's like yeah. this paper and plastic material I don't know how you would describe it
1: yeah I, I definitely feel like there's a, it's a little more plastic element and um, essentially there's plenty of drip tapes out there that's what you call it either soaker hose or drip tape those are the two words for it which essentially is a type of tape that has these holes throughout the entire thing And it allows you to essentially distribute more water uh, using a soaker hose than just individual drip points. So the difference is distribution drippers are essentially just one spot where water can drip out. And the great thing with attaching those to a carrot is you can just have one sensor, so one area where water is being sensed, and have multiple drip points off of that. So that allows you to even get up to a 10-gallon pot, um, like a fabric pot. It allows you to have even just one sensor with multiple distribution drippers so that you can really water the entire surface of that pot. Um, And then our soaker hose, like what you said we call blue soak, uh, blue soak drip tape, that you can attach to the carrot um, or what has been just happening for 25 years over I think we have a farm in Cuba using that the same drip tape that they've been uh, using for 30 years which is the same thing and they don't even have it attached to the sensor instead it just comes off a, of a hose and it just waters a certain amount of water and um, there's a big difference between our soaker hose and conventional soaker hose or drip tape. Um, The difference is other drip tapes tend to only water every seven inches I feel like or even every 12 inches Um, while ours is the entire thing actually has uh, thousands of micro tiny holes throughout the entire thing so the whole thing dispenses water not just uh, certain parts of the drip tape so that's one big difference. The other is our tape is reusable uh, compared to a lot of other drip tapes that people use, um, they have to actually throw them out every year, and it's a huge waste. It's terrible for the environment because a lot of times these these farmers are just taking the tape into the ground. They're just tilling over it, um, while ours, you just bury it underground, under the soil, and you can leave it out during winter, and you can reuse it for years and years. And Like I said, we have a farm in Cuba that's been using the same one for 25 years, same with Puerto Rico. And, uh, Brazil as well. So it's, very, uh, it's kind of a famed drip tape in our community. And what we managed to do, which Austria and Germany, all the other blue mat um, kind of mega countries, uh, what we managed to achieve is we've combined blue mat carrots to this blue soak. And you can basically water a lot larger fabric be- or fabric pots, so 100, 150 gallon pots or bigger with that using only one or two sensors and same thing with just large row crops or anything like that. Um, So now we've managed to get greenhouses using blue mat sensors just attached to this soaker hose and you just lay it out um, to the crops and that one sensor or the two sensors you can attach one to the beginning or another to the end and it allows you to just water these. Much longer rows of crops uh, using one sensor that will still turn off and on based off the moisture um, Around it. I think that's what you're kind of talking about
0: Yeah, in fact actually I'm going to be posting a video of the setup on in my greenhouse that we're currently in the middle of right now and oh, nice. It's an 84 by 30 foot greenhouse and I will uh, post some photos and more information uh, it's going to kind of cost me about a thousand dollars, I think all said and done to irrigate set up the blue mats throughout the entire greenhouse and i'm going I know I'm going to get that back in the cost of labor and watering throughout the season, plus I'll have it for years to come. so uh, I think it's well worth using in these situations, and I don't have to worry about my staff remembering to water the plants too so they don't get too dry. i mean it's a lot of work and i've I've actually changed the design again since the last time we talked. I know we tried a few different ones out. But I've uh, when I went to actually set it up, I realized I, I think I have a better way of doing it for my particular situation. So I'll I'll send you some photos. But oh, perfect!
1: Uh, yeah, I'd love to see that. This was the one we designed um, like a month ago or something, right?
0: Yes, yes. So originally we were going to have two carrots, one on either side of the row, uh, running drip yeah, yeah. tape opposite directions. I've changed it to where I have one sensor now, right in the middle of the row, and then I run sort of a giant circle or swirl around that bed so i'm still getting irrigation on both sides of the roots and i'm gonna see how it works but uh yeah so i wanted to answer or uh, tackle some of the questions that we had gotten after our first podcast with steve so one of the listener concerns was about water sitting in the line too long or allowing portions of the soil to dry out do you want to comment on that
1: So what do you mean by water sitting in the actual line? Are you talking about within the 8mm or 3mm tubing or in the soaker hose?
0: I assume they mean either with the idea being that the water wasn't dripping out at a fast enough rate um, and then somehow that water was being uh, exposed to temperatures or uh, leaching from the materials being used.
1: I could see that. Yeah. So the thing with a, a blue mat system is the wa the water is continuously flowing or running. Um, that's why with our pump systems, we have the pump is pretty much always on. Um, same with a garden hose, or like a hose bib system, that you're always leaving that on. You don't want to really set a timer with it. Um, and then the gravity systems, obviously, the exact same. The water is always flowing through the gravity system. So. Um, I think one of the questions we were getting, and this might be it, is that within the, the actual supply line, people were wondering if they could run a timer so that the blue mat was only on half the time. Um, another question was with, water, with air being within the actual line. So those are two kind of separate issues. In terms of uh, water being in line, you want water always in that um, both 8 millimeter tubing and going into the 3 millimeter tubing. So the same with the pump systems is people are always asking if they have to always be on. And the answer is basically yes, because you could theoretically turn it at a timer so that it turns off the water flowing at night when you're not using it or something like that. And you could do that. But the main concern is you want to make sure that the blue mat always, always has um, some water within it. Because um, if for some reason at nighttime, if the soil did dry out and – too much water left the blue mat, then you'd have to refill the blue mats with water, um, which is obviously a concern cuz if you have hundreds of plants on blue mats, you'd have to kind of fill each one up. Um, and that's the main reason why a blue mat system is on 24/7 is because it's always it always has to be feeding and not feeding and sensing when water is. So if you turn off the water supply going to the blue mats, um, it might be fine for an hour or even longer, however long it might take for, uh, kind of the water, the plant to f- take in the water or for the soil to just get more dry. But if you overdo it, then you're going to have to probably refill the blue mat with water to get it to be responsive again. Um, yeah, was that kind deal. of, I
0: wanted to kind of jump question? in on that one too. So my thought yeah. was maybe that the temperature in the line, uh, might get hot on a sunny day. Well, I know you can bury the lines. So what I'm actually doing is I'm going through and I have a larger, black, uh, thicker hose that I I just picked up at Home Depot. And so I'm running my eight millimeter inside of that hose. And then every time I have a connector, I just cut the larger hose. So it's not uh, it's not one like straight line through, but there'll be these gaps. And so then I can bury that thicker hose while protecting my eight millimeter line because I have customers walking through. My greenhouse it's a UPIC pick greenhouse. Yeah. So all the time and bumping things so by burying all of that i can keep it protected and that also maintains the the temperature in the line so that if it is a hot sunny day that black line isn't just sitting out there baking in the sun um,
1: definitely definitely no and i think that uh brings up another really great point is just in terms of um the the, the diversity in a blue mat system really where a blue mat kind of, you can, and this is a question we are getting a lot, is people already had drip systems in place or they already had some plumbing in place and they're asking if they could still use a blue mat system and integrate it within that system or if they would have to buy buy all the new supply tubing and all that. And the answer is yes, you can definitely fit a blue mat system into almost any other type of system. Um, Usually what it needs, the difference, what you need is to either add a pressure reducer so that you reduce the pressure down to 15 psi, uh, which is pretty low pressure, but that's what a blue mat system works ideally on. Um, But we, almost every single system that I design on a daily basis is different because people might already have a quarter inch uh, regular drip system in place. And the really cool and easy thing you can do is we have all these sorts of fittings that we have made here in the U.S. actually, where it allows you to go from that quarter-inch conventional drip tubing to our three-millimeter blue mat drip tube. Um, Same thing with half-inch. People might, for larger systems with thousands of plants, people might have a half-inch or even full-inch PVC kind of plumbing going around the entire facility or room, and it's pretty easy for us to, we have a bunch of fittings that go from either three-quarter inch or half-inch that you can kind of... Uh, Allow to have main header lines where there's a bigger water source and then have it feed off into individual pots or beds um, going into a blue mat system. So it's really, and I think we're, yeah, that's what you're kind of saying before, you're going to have a, a larger header line and then you're going to be able to go into a smaller um, conventional drip tubing.
0: Okay, great. Now, one of the other questions I received was, can you add nutrients to the line? So what's the best way to fertigate plants when you're using blue mats? What can you send through? what can't you send through in terms of like nutrients enzymes surfactants things like that
1: definitely no that's something people ask a lot and it kind of depends honestly when it comes down to it at the end you can use nutrients we have a lot of people that do in fact our we have a nutrient guide that we tend to send to people whenever they ask that and that whole nutrient guide was just us browsing through blogs asking our customers and friends And just testing ourselves and we found kind of a list of yes nutrients and no nutrients that you want to stay away from what I generally tell people is if the nutrient is pretty water soluble then you 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 pretty much are good to go meaning and by that I mean if it mixes well with water so as long as the nutrient isn't changing the consistency really harshly we're if it's really thick in nature or really sludgy, then you're going to have a chance to um, that would allow, that would have a chance to clog the system. Just because anything that's really thick in um, any drip system, which uses really small, tiny holes to drip to emit the drips, then you're going to actually end up having issues where it's going to clog the line and it's going to be kind of a mess. But if the nutrient is pretty water soluble. Um, meaning it mixes well with water and it's not very thick, then people have a lot of success. And in that list, we have just a ton of, ton of green ones, everything from Protract to H&G and uh, Micro Bloom, Maxi Bloom, uh, Bloom Bastic. The list just goes on with what people have had success with. Often what people have said is that using this solution called Drip Clean is a go-to um, just because it it kind of gets rid of all the crystallization that can go on within the blue mat and it just clears the line um something people also might encounter and i've seen this on instagram and stuff is um sometimes algae or this type of basically organic solution just starts growing within um usually it's algae and what you kind of want to do with that uh, biofilm is the other way i just remembered Um, usually what you want to do with the biofilm or algae or anything like that is we run a little bit of hydrogen peroxide solution to just kind of wipe that out and, um, kill it. And so that's the thing you can do with nutrients is just, there's some solutions that you can do to kind of take care of the line and just keep it clean. So generally I love to just keep it simple and I don't really run nutrients inside my, my drip line. Um, it'll kind of just, just it's less hassle in the future and then what I do is uh, a nutrient well meaning I kind of just dig a little hole into the uh, into the soil and add my nutrient um, kind of outside of the drip system and what a nutrient well does uh, is essentially it allows the nutrient to feed slowly into the into your plant Um, so if you're away for a few days that's a good solution with nutrients if not just hand feeding Is always a good idea. Um, If you do want to run nutrients through, which I know a lot of people do, um, then you can. There just might be some future maintenance you have to do. The other thing is we do have dosatron systems that work with larger-scale blue mat systems. Um, And if you need help designing those or if you have questions, then you can always ask us. Um, So the answer is yes, you can run nutrients in a blue mat system. It's just you might have to end up doing a little maintenance to make sure you don't clog the line or anything like that.
0: Now, I'll just share that my opinion on it is is my preference is not, like you mentioned, not to run any nutrients or other additives through the mat yeah. system besides water. And for all the reasons you mentioned, plus the, the, the dangers of biofilm, and it's real easy, I think, to just take, uh, especially with organics, if we're doing, if we want to add, say, seaweed extract powder, I can mix that with water and just water it in over the top. Uh, Same with compost Mm -hmm. teas. I wouldn't send those through either because you have to remember three millimeters is not very big. It's a pretty small hole, so a lot of stuff can clog it. Uh, But moving on, uh, do you want to talk a little bit about uh, how people are using them with a pump and when that might come into play for some growers in certain setups?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, So essentially a pump system is just uh, another way of saying it's just a pressure system. And pumps really come into play when people don't have the either the room size to do a gravity system because either the, the ceiling isn't high enough or something like that, um, or that they just don't have a, a hose bib within the facility either, because the uh, alternative to getting a pump is just getting a pressure reducer and you connect that to a regular spigot or hose bib or even garden hose itself. Um, so people use a pump system generally in a facility that doesn't already have that, or when they essentially want to pump out of a barrel of water, a reservoir, um, but don't want to raise the reservoir high enough. Um, a lot of cases people have nutrients in, their, in that barrel, in their 50 gallon drum, um, so then they want to pump that nutrient out. So that's the other way of using a pump system and you can use your own pumps Um, the main thing is you have to connect a blue mat pressure reducer to it and get it down to 15 psi and the reason why i'm saying the blue mat pressure reducer is because you're going to have a hard time going to a regular hardware store and finding a a, a pressure reducer that goes into eight millimeter line while our pressure reducers do that Another reason is we have tested out other pressure reducers in our systems and found that they actually don't really reduce the pressure to that that actual rate that you want it to be. Um, instead, they just would restrict the flow, but the pressure would still be pretty high. So I would say I would definitely recommend getting a mat pressure reducer than trying to kind of cheap out and get a one that w- isn't actually going to be reducing the pressure. And why you would want to use a pump is... Um, usually when you have more than about 50 plants and you just need to get enough pressure to do that Um, like I was saying with the pumps though it's the other reasoning you want to get kind of our pump kits is that everything is included from the pressure tank our pumps we use have a built-in pressure switch that's something you'd need Um, and then they have all the fittings and components to kind of attach it together and we know that the pumps we use are rated for continuous use. So if you try using other pumps that aren't rated for continuous use or don't have this pressure switch, um, you tend to run the risk of burning them out, and then you're just out another couple hundred dollars and you might wanna still just end up buying the pressure pump. So to answer your question, yeah, um, the reasoning to use a pressure pump is usually for larger um, scale grows. And also in cases where you can't get a gravity system high enough, um, or you don't have a built-in hose bigot or anything like that. Okay. Uh, nope, pump systems are great. Yeah,
0: the last question I had was one of the other methods for irrigation that's really popular in this community for in terms of low-tech solutions is sub-irrigated planters or SIPs. How do you feel blue mats compare with SIPs? Are you familiar with what I'm describing here?
1: Yeah, yeah. No, and I've seen on YouTube and just, I don't know, these kind of clickbait articles that uh, actually end up being really cool how to kind of create your own automated watering system. And it almost kind of works similar to a blue mat. The difference is you're kind of over feeding water for a bit at a consistent rate. And we have blue mat bottle adapters that literally do the exact same thing. Um, You connect it to a a two liter Coke bottle and it just feeds a certain amount of water per day. Um, And I love the idea, honestly, it's kind of really cool the engineering behind these where essentially it's the same property that a blue mat works off where the, the soil is kind of acting as a semi permeable membrane where water is being let in and out consistently. The difference is with those systems, as I mentioned, you're just watering at a consistent kind of rate, You're basically just to keep the soil wet, while a blue mat kind of monitors when it needs to be watered. And we have a really just this great article that was written on Marijuana Venture, essentially, and they wrote it on blue mats eventually, uh, because there's just this huge... Um, this hidden killer that people don't really know about which is essentially overwatering your plants and that tends to happen a lot of times when people um, hand feed as well because then they'll just use a bucket and throw water on top of the plant and what the plant is doing when it gets overwatered at first it's essentially like being too full um, if you eat too much you're not going to really want to eat more but what's happening to the plant is when that's happening it can't even use the water that's in the in the soil because uh, at a, basically at a deep down biological level, the stomata is overfilled, meaning it can't use the water. And I think everyone knows how kind of photosynthesis and everything works where a plant is using that sunlight plus the water to create sugars within the plant. And when you overwater, um, those sugars aren't being created for, there's a kind of a, a delay with those sugars being created because the plant is so full. So the plant isn't growing it's really hard to see that the plant is isn't enjoying it either because the leaves still stay green they don't turn dry or anything like they do when you underwater um, but the plant isn't growing either it's just kind of at this hibernated state um, so that's the hidden killer with overwatering and that's what some of these uh, systems where you're basically um just feeding from below and keeping it saturated all the time, is you kinda of run the risk of that happening where the plant isn't going to die but at the same time it isn't going to grow. So I'd say for higher valued plants, uh system system's pretty ideal for that exact reason where it's not gonna overwater at one point but it is going to keep it it is going to water it throughout um, the plant growing. And when a plant needs more water, the out accounts for that, so it it waters more and drips more water into the system. Um, And when it's smaller, it's using less water, so it's not going to overdo it then either. So I think that's the main difference is those systems work great for plants that you don't really care about how they grow or how big they get or anything like that. But in a system where you do want to get a plant um, to yield as much as it can and to really grow um, at its best rate, then in that case, a blue mat system is kind of the better alternative versus these other automated systems.
0: Well, you know, I want to say I, I do like the idea of sub-irrigated planters. I think they work pretty well with yeah. established plants. Um, my, Because it is a wicking process, so as the soil dries out, uh, more of that water will be pulled up into the soil column uh, from from below my issue with them is that when you first transplant a plant into that system you're still going to need to water it, and, and this can be a challenge sometimes with blue mats too In that that area right in the rhizosphere there around the roots uh, may not be getting enough water even though that pot is still heavy and and, and has a lot of water so in those cases yeah, exactly. you're still you're still top watering and Specifically with cannabis, i found it seems to me that, and this is anecdotal, that top-down watering seems to be more effective overall, which is why I've, I've always chosen that over sub irrigate planters. But as a new grower, um, I know a lot of people will use uh, SIPs or earth boxes as an alternative, as a way of, of watering when you're not as familiar with proper watering or have a system like Blue Mats that allows you to dial that in so
1: exactly exactly i mean at the end of the day we just want to also get water to the plants that's why i'm fully supportive of sub irrigating planters or anything like that because as long as you don't forget to water your plant your plant's going to live and um that's what we kind of want at the end of the day our goal is to just have happy plants so whatever works for that
0: yeah well damien i want to say thanks for taking the time today to chat i know that uh you've sent me this new tips and tricks article, which I can post up on the podcast page for people. Uh, if they have further questions, they can contact me or Damien directly. I'll put all your information up there on the podcast page and
1: perfect. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm happy. Yeah. I'm happy to do these podcasts. It's really fun. Um, like I was saying, I love listening to your podcast as well myself. So it's a huge pleasure to be here and, I know one thing I've been seeing and people have been telling me on Instagram and whatnot is now they're choosing your podcast as a kind of a default method uh, or uh, podcast to hear when they're commuting to work or whatnot, and I'm thinking I might just do the same, Ted.
0: Cool. Well, I appreciate that, and uh, stay tuned. We may have something exciting coming up with uh, Nelson Lindsley here in the future um, on along the podcast line, so I'll keep you guys posted, but I don't want to give too much away on that just yet, so... Thanks again, Damien, and uh, I'll be signing off on this podcast, but look forward to chatting with you again here in the future.
1: Same here, Tad. Same here. Thank you for the, for the time and everything. All right. Bye-bye.
0: Again, that was Damien, one of the main guys over at Blue Mat Systems here in the United States. You can view his contact information as well as his tips and tricks on the podcast page. You are listening to the Cannabis Cultivation and Science Podcast. I'm your host, Tad Hussey. Don't forget that there's more information and articles available on our website and blog at www.kisorganics.com, as well as links to the data and information we discussed in this episode on the podcast page. And if you enjoy these podcasts, please take a moment to leave me a rating and review on iTunes and send me your feedback and suggestions through our website contact page or TAD at kisorganics.com.